one play away. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and joining us as he does to react to every single Auburn football game is Montgomery Radio legend Daryl Daprich. As we react to Auburn losing the Iron Bowl in possibly the worst fashion that I've ever seen, 27 to 24. And Daryl, I think this is probably the worst way Auburn's lost a game in my lifetime especially in the Iron Bowl, especially when you look at what has happened and, and the stakes and the the table that was made, Auburn had it. Auburn had this football game, fourth and 31, and they just give it to them. They just give it to them. And this is going to be one that's talked about for a long time, rightfully so. Yeah, I, I've been following Auburn football since 1989 pretty closely. I mean, where I felt like I've had a skin in the game. Right. When I moved here and, you know, people want to say the 2014 because it play, was played in 2014 national championship game. I get it uh, was a worse loss. This is different because the improbability, like if you go back and look at those probability factors and percentages to win Florida State, Auburn, when once Florida State got it to within inside the 10 yard line or the 15 first down, that pass was, I think, on a first down yeah, play. You, you felt it. And like you FSU. Yeah, FSU felt like they won in the game earlier in that drive, right? In, yes. in the same way, I mean, I was there. Like Auburn, Auburn felt like they won it when that that botch snap happened, and then it's like, oh my gosh! And then uh, Milrow had that illegal for, illegal forward pass, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is done. This is done. We just need to run one more play and take care of business, and that's not that's not what happened. Um, that's why it's worse. I, you're absolutely right. It's, That's it's why worse. It's, it's worse. The probability on fourth and thirty-one, um, where it's a hail mary. And look, you know Auburn's been the recipient or been the beneficiary yes. of some really unlikely moments. You know Auburn feels like how Georgia felt with the tip and then the kick six. I get all that, but in the moment right now, you know th there was something that happened on fourth and thirty-one that didn't come out of the blue. It has been a pet, a bugaboo or a flaw of Auburn's defense pretty much all year, the second and 20s. Now, not yeah. fourth and 31. But, the, but the, let's just put it this way. The improbable down and yards to gain has, been, has come back to bite Auburn all year. And this was the worst example of that that could happen. Yeah, and, I mean, we can spend a few minutes if you want breaking down okay they they rushed two guys they had a spy which is questionable i don't hate the prevent call i don't hate the eight guys in the end zone like we can nitpick all we want but i don't think milrow makes that throw that often now should he have ever been that wide open no <laughs> absolutely not but still just to to rush two guys i mean milrow had you know all the time in the world to throw that and that's just not how you've been beating him over the course of the entire game. And so that one's going to be that one's going to be tough. That one's going to be tough to explain and tough to live with for a while. There's a lot of people, you know, beat writers, Auburn Twitter, people we know that are really defending that saying they don't have a problem with that defensive alignment. Let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Look, I, I'm not a defensive coordinator, but I don't also get paid a million dollars to be one. At the end of the day, results matter. 
And yep. the it was a failure because of what happened. Now, DJ right. James should take some responsibility in that. And, and when you go back and watch the, the replay, which I so hard to do because I knew we were going to talk about it, it wasn't like he was wide open. I mean, he had like a step on him to the outside. And DJ James, there was some separation there. I wouldn't have called offensive pass interference, but there was. Bond did allow, did get some separation. So but DJ, DJ made contact before that too. So like exactly. they, they let so him play, was, which I think was the right call for the official. Right. But yeah. But that's my point just, was that right. he was closer to him than people want to really give credit for, that he wasn't like wide open. Now go Fair. back and watch a, another Alabama receiver in the other corner of the end zone that was really wide open because Auburn chose to bracket a dude in the middle of the end zone and left the two outside wide receivers open. So Look at the end of the day, yeah, it's a it's a bad defensive scheme because it, it it created an ungodly play. I wouldn't have spied Milrow. I think that's the only thing I would have done differently because it's going to take a lot for him to run 31 yards when you've got people that can come up and make the tackle. Proof of that was what happened on third and 21, just right before that when Pritchett made that nice stop a yard short, which ended up. Could have been a game-saving, game-winning tackle. Yeah, because of the series of events after that, so it would have been very hard for Milrow to run 31 yards into the end zone untouched when everyone's standing at the goal line. Right. So I don't, I don't like a spy there. You drop another guy back in the end zone, maybe. But again, I'm not a defensive coordinator. They make millions of dollars, but at the end of the day, you know, it, DJ James has some responsibility for that as well. So there's this. I think there's kind of the split dynamic of, you know, how are we supposed to feel about this? Because I think it's easy to see how the future could be better, right? I mean, a very decorated recruiting list um, or a list of recruits that were certainly there and a lot of folks very high on Auburn or in potentially flipping to Auburn, some folks blatantly saying so, which is great. But in the same vein, like, if you're not going to be able to win after putting together this incredible game plan, I mean, props to Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff. They outcoached Alabama. I mean, I don't know how Auburn was in that game to begin with. And even when you look at the stats, like Alabama had 450 yards of offense. Auburn had 337. And Auburn was winning with like 30 seconds left. I mean, it's a remarkable game plan. And these guys played their tails off. But it's like, if you can't close, like, is, is that all skill? Daryl, like, is this just going to magically change? Or is this going to change when the culture flips, when he brings in all of his guys? I, I don't know. I don't know. But this whole inventing new ways to lose the Iron Bowl every few years, it's its just, it's killing me. It's killing all the fans. It's been brutal. And so like, I get being excited about the future. But I think for right now, we need to be ticked with how this game ended. Amen. Look, there's two schools of thought. There's a school of thought that this game matters, but you flush it, you shower it off, and then you focus on the future and the recruiting and the effort, and that that Auburn with with the roster that's half of what Alabama has took them. Yeah, I, I don't that, that to me, I cannot stand that mentality. Again, you can be excited about the future of Auburn football. They can be completely two separate things. They should not be tied to this game. Anybody that says the way Auburn played and battled all Alabama, that'll help with recruiting. Look, then, then don't say last week that New Mexico state loss hurt recruiting. I hear people 
people that I know and that you know, talking out of both sides of their mouth with that. If yeah. you're going to come to Auburn, you're going to come to Auburn, regardless if Alabama would have won by three scores tonight. So in the moment, I don't care. I don't care about what recruiting is going to look like down. I mean, I care, but for right now, this loss doesn't change that. You shouldn't feel good about choking a game away twice because Alabama tried to gift you the ball game and you gifted it right back like you did two years ago. You shouldn't feel you shouldn't let that wash away right now in the moment because Auburn's got recruits right now on campus that are going to be game changers. That's great. I'll feel good about that when they sign on the dotted line. That's when I'll feel good about it. There's no reason to feel good about it right now because recruiting and proof of concept on the field are two different things. And anybody that thinks it's okay to lose a game like this because Alabama had one loss and they were favored by 13, it's a participation trophy mentality. Do I feel like Auburn played better than I thought they were going to? Absolutely. Sure. Do I give credit to you, Freeze, for putting together a heck of a game plan? Absolutely. But that does not take the sting away from choking it away once you've put yourself in a position to win. A football game is not 59 minutes and then you let them, oh, you did good for 59 minutes, great job. Part of learning to win and changing the culture is closing. And they didn't close. And it was it was the most improbable. Again, I'll go back to the probability win percentage, 99%. And you let them score a touchdown on fourth and 31. You shouldn't feel good about that. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about the recruiting aspect of that. It's a completely separate animal. You lost a game. You had one, period. It's not upwards. Let's not feel warm and fuzzy about playing Alabama close. That's a little brother mentality. And for people that don't like that, sorry, it is what it is. Results matter. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you're excited about the bowl game, wherever that ends up, you need to buy your the tickets for said bowl game at game time. Game time. Uh, you, look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets for whatever big event it is, whether it's an Auburn football game, your favorite NFL or NBA or MLB team, your favorite concert or anything regarding the theater. Last-minute tickets, they've got flash deals, they've got all sorts of things over at Game Time. It's the best ticketing app. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. That's where I buy all of my tickets, and I've had an extraordinarily good time doing that and always, always getting good deals. So download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on college, all one word, locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. It stinks what we left on the table because if <laughs> if that that last play goes a little bit different, Daryl, we're having a conversation about how does Hugh Freeze own Nick Saban? Like that's how close we were to having that conversation. And look, I, I think that conversation is still going to be a thing, right? You're seeing national pundits say, hey, the future at Auburn's bright. And I agree with them. I agree with them. Hugh Freeze had a few good sound bites about the future of this program. It's going to be an elite program in college football. And to be very, very clear, Daryl, I believe him. But right now, I don't think it's when we focus on that. <laughs> I think we focus on what went wrong in the Iron Bowl. And is it going to happen again? Because 
this whole game started with it being Senior Bowl. or It's not Senior Bowl. Half of these guys are going to the Senior Bowl, it seems like. But Senior Day, excuse me. And you look at the DJ Jameses and the Nehemiah Pritchetts and, and a lot of very talented defenders that are leaving. Lawrence Johnson's been a solid role player. Marcus Harris was honored before the game. It's like, dang. All right, so Auburn's going to have to reload with this defense, this defense that seemingly kept them in the game. But let's talk about what I think a, a big talking point that I believe is going to happen over the course of the week. And that was Hugh Freeze essentially admitting in his press conference that he didn't know Coy Moore was the one fielding the punt. How, well, how does that yeah. happen? Like, I, and my understanding is Tanner Burns is the one who oversees all the special teams. Hugh doesn't do that. But I thought it was pretty wild and eye-opening that he had to like be told that in the post-game presser. Is that weird to you? Yeah, I, I want to, to your first point, from a bird's-eye view standpoint, when you're talking about the national pundits and Hugh Freeze, Let's let's be honest, and, and I want to be transparent. Auburn did show progress from last year to this year. Sure, I think to 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 say that what what Hugh Freeze said about Auburn's going to have an elite program, there's no guarantee of that. I, I want to think that they're going to be better, and I I do believe from a recruiting standpoint and from what Auburn did this year as opposed to last year, they've already showed improvement and especially recruiting. But you don't have a crystal ball, and there's no way to know that you are going to be elite. That's great to say that. That's not something that we can slam dunk say is going to happen. Part two of your question, do I think they're going in the right direction, though? Absolutely, and there has been improvement. Part sure. two, look, I get it. You've got a special teams coordinator. But I don't care, again, what anybody else says. I'm going to be honest about it and transparent. I don't think it's a good look for your head coach in a press conference to not know who fumbled, who muffed the punt. Now, in all fairness, they're the same number. And I'm tired of that crap, too. I wish they'd get away with, get away with dual numbers. I hate it. But they're the well, same number. The in-stadium PA said Coy Moore, and I'm like, that doesn't yeah. make sense. And he then... wears different gloves. And so so in, in fairness to you, Freeze, you see number zero run out there. I get it. But for a, for a writer to have to tell him, that that wasn't Scott that muffed the punt. It was Coy Moore. People disagree. That's fine. It's America. I think that's a bad look. I, I just think you need to be a little bit more aware of your personnel that you have on the field. Look, if you have a special teams coordinator that decides that, great. But at the end of the day, in key moments of a football game, in crucial moments, I feel like the head coach should have the final say. Through a headset, through a timeout, whatever just like I feel like he should have the final say as to what yeah. kind of defense Ron Roberts runs on 4th and 31. I, I know you hire people to do jobs, but in certain moments of a game, just rarely, the head coach should overrule some things. And you got to think he was involved in the defensive call because it felt like an eternity. It probably wasn't an eternity, but it felt like an eternity because all the timeouts that happened before the 4th and 31. I mean, surely he had a say. And, and, and talking about what the call was. And once again, like, I don't hate the call as much as some people do. I don't, I, I, I don't like prevent defense. I think it's dumb. I think it, it, it doesn't seem to work in those types of situations, but I get it. I get what they were trying to do. It just was executed poorly. And he talked about this in the, uh, I was listening to the radio post game show when I was driving home and he kept saying over and over and over again about the, um, 
he was talking about like situational awareness or whatever. And it's like, well, that's cool. But like, that is your job <laughs> to teach them, to teach them the situational awareness. And I'm sure you don't allot a whole lot of time to fourth and 31 to end game scenarios. Like, I'm sure that doesn't come up too often, but like, you've got to prepare those guys somehow. And also you had like, I'm not exaggerating. It felt like you had five to six minutes to prep everyone for what that play was. So I don't know, man. Like, it's just, I, I felt like Hugh Freeze out game plan Saban until the end, until like yeah. five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. And then it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Well, to be perfectly clear, I, I want to go back and make sure everybody understands that I don't even think Auburn's within a touchdown of Alabama tonight, if not for Hugh Freeze and his play call. So credit, credit. But see, I've always said this a thousand times. You're going to get tired of me saying it. You know what I'm going to say, Zach? Two things can be true at once. Hugh Freeze can be the absolute reason Auburn was in this game, and kudos to him for a phenomenal offensive play call. But also there could be a little bit of blame for certain crucial situations not like you said, having the, the the situational awareness. So you know, it's it's yeah. it's funny. We have a basketball coach that gets Auburn to a Final Four, but during certain times of the year when certain players aren't put in or certain things happen, it's okay to to criticize and say that. A lot of people, a lot of the fan base will say that. I get it. It's Hugh Freeze's first year. The the roster he inherited. You can do a thousand things right and, and continue to get credit for that. But it's okay to point out the few things somebody does wrong too. It doesn't yeah. mean you want them fired or so two things can be the same or to be true at the same time. So the situational awareness thing, I think you're absolutely dead on. It's his job to make sure Coy Moore knows before he runs out on the field. Hey, don't try to fair catch this. Only bad things could happen. I'd rather the ball just hit the ground and everybody stay away from it. That's yeah. a head coach's job to remind somebody that. I'm sorry it is. And that would have been the smarter play there. Don't try to run up underneath it and catch it. Too many bad things could happen. Let it go. We're not worried about field position at that moment. You got the ball with four minutes to go up four. Just run right. some clock and see what you can do. So, yeah, that's that's something that I would think from a situational standpoint is important. Auburn's starting quarterback went five of 16 for 91 yards and two picks, but I don't think either of those picks really impacted yeah, the game. Yeah. So people are going to cherry pick that, but that's not that's not what we're going to do here. But and, and his touchdown throw to, to VAR was awesome, but it's just, and I tweeted this at halftime, like if Auburn had any sort of passing threat, any sort of passing threat, like Alabama knew Auburn was going to run it all over the place. They did some awesome stuff. They did some awesome stuff with pre-snap motions and, and fakes and a lot of eye candy. They really decorated this up. And Auburn had an awesome rushing day, 244 yards on the ground. If if there's any sort of passing threat, this this Auburn team, I think, would have ended up being pretty good, Daryl. No. Ironically, though, he hit on some big pass, pass plays. I mean, I know that the total passing yards weren't there. But I'm the, with you. The, Rivaldo had two really bad drops. But he the touchdown pass to, to Javarius Johnson was nice. There were some slants on some big third. So I get it. Look, he hit one for Caleb got Burton for one. That was beautiful. I'm with you. Yeah, they, they threw for less than 100 yards, lost the turnover battle, and got outgained. And it still took a Hail Mary to beat them on fourth and 31. It's wild. 
that, that, blow, that blows my mind. But so, so that's, that's a credit to Hugh Freeze and the game plan he put yeah, together. Sure. But it's also frustrating that despite all that, you make one stop and you win the game. Because I'm not even counting the muff punt. Auburn dug themselves out of a hole after the muff punt. I get it. Right. It was it was very game altering. But Alabama did some stupid things right after that that a, a playoff team doesn't do, mm-hmm. and handed the, and handed the game right back to Auburn. The snap yeah. and the throw in behind the line of scrimmage should have been a death knell, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And I think that's the frustrating part. Had Alabama done that all on its own and came down the field, you know, let's say, let's say Coy Moore fair catches that ball and Auburn goes three and out and Alabama comes right down the field and scores, you can live with that. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, it, it, it's kind of like you. what happened in 2021. If, but, but again, that was spurred by Bigsby not being able to, to stay in bounds. So mm-hmm. it's fatal things that you give right back when they're trying to hand you the game at the end of the day. And I get it. There's better days ahead. In fact, the bowl game, the way Auburn played, maybe. There's a bowl committee out there that really wants Auburn because of the way they finished this season, their fan support, how they looked, and so they might get a better bowl in the pecking order of things. Yeah, maybe. Recruiting, portal maybe. news, all that could, yeah, could help, but it doesn't. It just doesn't help right now. Yeah, it doesn't help right now. That's right. What did you think, and I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. What did you think of the officiating? Well, I thought the very, I thought in the first half it was just atrocious. And, what, did and, the t- what did the TV broadcast say about the miss? Gary Danielson was as pointed and as passionate about the bad calls that I've seen in a long time. But here's the thing. Auburn overcame those. I kept tweeting out, ball don't lie, ball don't lie, the sequel, ball don't lie. Every time the officials looked like they screwed Auburn on a call, Auburn overcame it, got the ball right back, and scored. The yep. face mask did not – the non-face mask call didn't hurt. The call that they said the receiver got the first down, okay, it didn't look like he did. But right after that, there was an egregious hold that they didn't call. Auburn got the ball back and scored. So Auburn overcame – some poor officiating. Now, in all fairness, there looked to be pass interference in the end zone on DJ James. Didn't get called. Michael Riley Ducker absolutely abused a, the punter. Should have been a 15-yard penalty. It wasn't called. Sure. And I think Caleb Burton, it's close. I think it was called a non-catch on the field. Uh, not Caleb Burton, uh, Jermaine Burton. It was mm-hmm. called a non-catch on the field, but when you kept seeing the review, it looked like he might have had his toe in, but it was inconclusive. So I think yeah. in the second half, there were some calls that, you know, Auburn might have may have gotten back. People wanted to complain about the non-targeting on, uh, you know, Thorne going out of bounds. Gene Steratore, I think, is a good official. Made it very clear that it was the side of the helmet is why it wasn't called side of helmet, side of helmet. I don't know. I just think that it was it was horrible officiating early on. Some of the most egregious miscalls you can have. Darryl, I don't even know if it was horrible. I don't I I flat out I don't think they did their job. I mean, it was so chippy as an officiating crew in a rivalry game, you can't let people get away with that. And then towards the end of it, I don't know how much it showed on TV, Daryl. I'm I may re- go back and rewatch it. I, there's a solid chance I don't, but 
at the end of it, after Alabama kicked off after they scored to take the lead, it got out of hand. It, so much so that an official got trampled. Like he was under right. the pile of a bunch of people. Then others, like other little shoving matches and pushing matches. Drags, drag. Someone got dragged. Someone got. And there punched. were no, there were no, no penalties. And none of those officials had like the self respect in and of themselves or the stones to do anything about it because they're like, oh, we're going to get to be escorted out of here in five seconds. Let's just get out of here. And let me and make so, it clear. I'm sorry. Hold on one second, yeah. though. But the you know the, the the missing the blatant face mask on Brian Batty's return, like they're there to protect these kids, and they just flat out didn't do it. They were not interested in that. Same with Michael Riley Ducker just destroying their punter. Like it's your job as an official to protect these athletes. And they just flat out did not care. They were not interested in doing that at all. And like, I, I think there's a lot of missed stuff evenly. I'm cool with that, but your job is to uphold the game. And if that game would have gone on another few minutes, uh, it, it would have been really, really bad. And I don't think they would have had the guts to do anything about it. Yeah. I think at that last series that a couple of people could have been ejected and it could have been a, a player from each side. The problem is by not throwing the flag there, it could have gotten really out of hand, really ugly, and more punches could have been thrown. And and that and then you've got people missing the first half of the SEC championship. Game. Oh my gosh, accountability! What? Yeah. No. Well, I mean that. No, they're wearing I mean, the wrong colors you for that. To that that's what should have happened. I, I mean, I think that there should have been a couple of dudes tossed. One hundred percent. A special, a couple of special teamers. And uh, they didn't. They they let it get out of hand. A couple times after the whistle, people got thrown down and that kind of thing, and they let it go. I agree. Yeah, I don't think that was – I, mean, I, I just, think these guys I just, are going to get graded very low. As, as, as an adult male that really respects myself, and I have a lot of pride in the work that I do, getting trampled by a bunch of dudes that you're supposed to be, like, able to <laughs> – to, to, to control and be able to kind of keep everyone safe and just to get up and act like it didn't happen – the bad look, the bad look just as a human being and of uh, somebody who like that, that, that dude does not respect himself. So it's not even about the game. It's just about the fact of like, they don't respect this college football game, this iron bowl for them to do that. So they set, I think the, that tone was early. They set the tone early for lack of awareness of player safety. And, and, it, and it was, it was consistent on both sides. It did yeah, not impact yeah. the game. I don't think it right. impacted the game at all, but Greg Sankey has to do something about this because it seems like it happens more in the SEC than anywhere else. And if we're going to be the best conference in all sports, especially college football, we've got to fix this crap. All right. Um, one last note. It was nice to finally see Jarquez Hunter and Damari Austin healthy at the same time. It really was. They both ran. I mean, there's no way I would have thought Auburn would have dropped 244. On Alabama, especially when their you, defense dude. was playing, and Jarquez fourteen for ninety-three, and Damari ten for eighty-five. Like, if you would have right. told me that, I'm like, Auburn's going to win this game. And give Peyton Thorne credit for the way he ran the football too. There was a couple of drives where he just kept it and kept ch getting chunks. I mean, the most Auburn thing ever was Robbie Ashford coming in, losing eight yards, and then Peyton Thorne picking up eighteen right after that. I mean, it's just a you know that the dynamics of that. So. Give him credit for the way he ran the football. Good point. His toughness. He really took some shots and lowered his head to get first downs. Never would have thought Auburn would. So, yeah, you know, Damari Austin and Jarquez Hunter both being healthy at the same time. Very, yeah. 
very potent running game. And that's why Auburn had a chance to win the game. Quite simply, if you don't run for 200, if, if you rush for 150, which is still a good game against Alabama, you get yeah. beat three touchdowns. Yep. Right. Right. All right, Daryl. Another season in the books. So thank you so much to you for hopping on. Well, doing and, this. And yeah, there are some tough ones. Another regular season in the books. I hope that the bowl game we do, the post game, whether we cover it there in person or not, we still have to work through some of that. We'll talk yeah, through that. Yeah, when and where it is. Yeah. yeah, but we'll still do a reaction show, obviously, to the bowl game. And we hope we go out with a winning on a winning note with a seventh win. Just think how close Auburn could have had to have an eight regular season wins. Who starts oh, a quarterback for uh, an Auburn's bowl game? Just real quick. <laughs> Olden Gurner. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Hank Brown. Okay. I mean, yeah, and there's a lot of different dynamics of that with moving yeah. parts, but yeah. Yeah. What are the quarterbacks on the roster at that time? That's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Daryl, how can people check out everything you've got going on, buddy? Uh, DAP 6410 and, uh, of course, Monday mornings and Tuesday afternoons on the Auburn Network. Follow me on uh, socials at Z Blackery. Please subscribe to the to the channel. Subscribe to Locked On Auburn would help out a ton. And you can read all my written work at auburndaily.com. We will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn.